Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. What is going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Triple S Podcast. I'm Brandon Smith, your host, and uh, today is going to be another uh, shorter episode, not as much to talk about in terms of college football and UFC. A lot of it's already been discussed, but there is some NFL news that we're going to get into, and today we're also going to have our first ever Q&A section, so I'm really excited to get through that, and uh, let's get right into it. So we're going to start off in college football and uh, unfortunately, you know, there's one big game to talk about. Did not go my team's way. Uh, we had the Ohio State Buckeyes taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide in the college football national championship game. Uh, for a national championship game, this was not competitive. But if you guys listened to last episode, we kind of predicted that. Um, we thought that there was a chance that Ohio State could keep it close. But with all likelihood, you know, Alabama just had so much firepower that uh, this was kind of an inevitable outcome. I don't think anybody was really messing with Alabama this year, to be honest. Uh, this game was competitive for about a quarter and a half. Uh, it was, let me see, it was 17 to 21 at one point for Alabama. Um, this was with nine minutes to go in the first half. And then Alabama scored two touchdowns before halftime, and the game was never again in doubt. So it was a 52 to 24 win for Alabama. Some of the notable stats. Uh, Najee Harris had a really good game. He had 79 receiving yards as well as 79 rushing yards. Uh, He had three total touchdowns, two rushing, one receiving. Devontae Smith, he is just an absolute baller. He set a record for college football uh, national championship game with 12 receptions for 215 yards, three receiving touchdowns. Um, He's got really deceptive speed. Like There's times where... He caught a couple of swing passes uh, where they had two defenders over three offensive players. The offensive players got their blocks, and Devontae Smith just had crazy acceleration to get around the corner. And there was a couple plays where he got, you know, maybe about 10 to 15 yards where it looked like he maybe had six or seven. So Devontae Smith continues to impress. And then Mac Jones, he had uh, 464 passing yards, five passing touchdowns. He went to work as well. Uh, Not so good of a day in the office for Ohio State. Only 194 passing yards, one passing touchdown, uh, a couple of rushing touchdowns. Was not Ohio State's day. But, you know, even though my team lost, hats off to Alabama. Congratulations. National championships once again. Uh, Nick Saban is really solidifying himself as one of the, if not already, the best college football uh, coach of all time. So, shouts out to Alabama for a great, great game. Now we're going to switch lanes and move over and talk about the UFC. So tonight, January 16th, we have a really, really nice fight night uh, on hand. Uh, We've talked about this on the last episode, but just to give you guys a refresher before tonight, uh, we're going to give you just a little rundown of the main card. So the main event of the evening is a big fight. Really excited for this. Max Holloway taking on Calvin Cater at Featherweight. Uh, This is a huge fight for both guys. Calvin Cater has been kind of getting some wins under the radar. Uh, moving up in those featherweight rankings. And Max Holloway is coming off back-to-back losses to Alexander Volkanovski. So he's looking to get back into title contention. Uh, A loss for either guy here would be pretty damaging. Uh, Not so much for Calvin Cater because he's definitely the underdog in this fight and he'll still get some some high-level fights even if he is to lose this fight. But if Max Holloway goes on a three-fight losing skid, um, not only will that be really bad for his ranking, but for his psyche as well. I'm not sure... 
uh, how mentally tough he is. But I mean, that that would be tough for anyone to go through three straight losses, especially when one of those losses was most likely a win. I think most people look at that second Alexander Volkanovsky fight. Um, the first fight was close. I think Holloway still thought he was robbed in that fight. But, you know, watch, having watched both Volkanovsky-Holloway fights, the first one, I could understand how the refs gave it to, not the refs, excuse me, how the judges scored that one for uh, Volkanovsky. He did have a strong finish to the fight. He had that late takedown in the fifth round. Uh, but the second fight, I was really surprised, and a lot of people on social media were surprised with that result as well. They thought Holloway won the second fight. So if he is able to get a win here, I think that'll do a lot for his psyche. I think, to be honest, whatever the result of this fight is, is going to be hugely beneficial or detrimental to Holloway uh, because another loss would be pretty devastating. Uh, so next up on the, the co-main event, we have Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown, a couple of veteran guys, seasoned guys. This one's at welterweight. Uh, I'm excited for this because these guys are both tough guys. Uh, you know they're not going to be dancing around, avoiding each other. It's going to be a scrap. Uh, so I love those kind of fights. This next fight is another welterweight fight, and it is a tongue twister. Uh, we're going to give it a go, though. So we're going to have Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Li Jingliang. Uh, that's at welterweight, as noted. Uh, haven't seen either of those guys fight, but uh, whenever you see someone that's right before the main event or co-main event, um, if you haven't heard of them, that's probably a sign that they're pretty talented. Uh, so I'm excited to see both of these guys fight because the welterweight division is pretty stacked up around the top. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how these two fare and to see if any of these guys can be considered uh, top contenders. Uh, before that is a big fight, which... Honestly, you would think would be the third uh, third last fight of the night because of one big name, uh, Jokin Buckley, who, if you guys don't recall, he's the guy who had that crazy uh, ninja kick knockout where he threw a kick, it got caught by his opponent, and then while the opponent had his leg, he spun around, jumped, and knocked him out with his other leg. It was a crazy knockout. That's where most people know Jokin Buckley from. But he is 12-3, and three, so he's not just a one-hit wonder. He's had uh, quite a few nice fights recently. Uh, he's taking on Alessio DiCericcio. So that should be interesting. Uh, again, excuse me if I'm mispronouncing any of these names. And last but not least, the first fight of the main card. Uh, this tongue twister of a main card is another middleweight fight between Punali Soriano uh, against Dusko Todorovic. Uh, Dusko Todorovic and Punali Soriano are both undefeated fighters. Soriano 7-0, Todorovic 10-0, so something's got to give. Uh, haven't again haven't heard of either of these guys but I mean the fact that they're both undefeated uh, to me that's pretty exciting because no one wants to get that first L on their record um, I'm assuming these guys are young because seven and ten fights is not a lot of fights uh, so excited to see what these guys can do to open up the main card now there's one more thing I wanted to touch on in terms of UFC uh, we got some big news just today on Saturday uh, Dana White came out and said that during today's broadcast of UFC Fight Island 7, he would announce Khabib's decision regarding the future. So, to me, uh, I mean, that means he's coming back. Because if he wasn't coming back, you wouldn't... Like, he already said he's retired. So, if if you're going to come out and say, oh, okay, Khabib's decision is he's retired, everyone would be like, well, he, he was already retired. So, I feel like if there's a decision that he's going to announce, uh, this, to me, really sounds like he's going to be making a comeback. And... I honestly think that the winner of Poirier versus McGregor, uh, which is on the 26th, I believe, 
Uh, I think that person is going to get to fight against um, Khabib Nurmagomedov. I think that the UFC would definitely love to see Khabib versus Connor too. I know I would. Uh, a lot of animosity between those two guys. Khabib obviously got the uh, the tap-out win in the first bout, but it would be amazing to see those guys fight again and see if Khabib could get to that 30-0. and 0. So at the beginning of the main card is what I'm seeing here. Uh, 3 p.m., Dana White to announce Khabib Nurmagomedov excuse me, uh, decision, and I would be completely shocked if that decision is something along the lines of he's still retired i mean he's already retired so the decision must be he's returning which is super exciting and uh i'm really excited to see who he'll probably face when conor mcgregor and dustin poirier fight in about a week so that's about it for the ufc now we're going to move over to everybody's favorite you know of course the nfl we're going to talk about some games in the divisional round we're going to talk about some news in terms of coaching hires and other stuff like that so let's get right into it so today is Saturday. Uh, we have the first batch of two divisional games. And I mean, all four of these games are huge. Uh, but I think we got two really, really good ones today. The first game is at 435. We have the Green Bay Packers in their first playoff game of the year taking on the LA Rams. So for those of you who don't know, Green Bay Packers had a bye week last week. Uh, for most teams, that's beneficial. Sometimes it's not. We'll see how the Packers do off of the bye. Uh, but for the Rams, this game is really interesting because John Wofford, who is probably going to start because Jared Goff's finger or his thumb, excuse me, is still kind of banged up. He just had surgery on it. So he's not 100% go. But John Wofford got cracked in the last game against Seattle by Jamal Adams. So he was ruled out. Jared Goff, despite being not 100%, he is going to start for the Rams. And Green Bay appears to be healthy at most positions. Uh, Jair Alexander's been locking down receivers all year. I saw a stat, uh, not a stat, excuse me. I saw a uh, Instagram post that had receivers when guarded by Jair Alexander. And there was a few high-name guys. Like, he held Mike Evans to no catches. He had Adam Thielen over uh, one or two games. He had him on, like, two or three catches. Jair Alexander's been balling out. I'm excited to see him play. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers in that high-flying offense. Excited to see them go to work as well. Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, and I. here's my prediction. I think that we're going to see a little bit more A.J. Dillon. He looked really good in that Tennessee game. Uh, I believe, you know, this game is in Green Bay, so it might be another cold-weather game. And A.J. Dillon looked really good in the snow. He's a big-body bruiser type. So I think he's a, a type of running back that could benefit in this type of game. So expect to see some A.J. Dillon sprinkled in with a lot of Devontae Adams and a lot of Aaron Jones. The next game is at 8.15 p.m. Uh, this is my favorite game of the wild, or not, not wild card, excuse me, of the divisional round weekend. We have the Buffalo Bills hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Two teams that have, you know, young quarterbacks who are coming off their first playoff win. Uh, last week, Josh Allen got his first against the Colts after losing in his first uh, playoff game last year against Deshaun Watson and the Texans. And for Lamar Jackson, he got his first win against the Titans after losing to them last year. And uh, the year before, he had lost in the playoffs as well. I'm forgetting who they played in that game, but this was his first playoff win in three games. So who's going to be able to get to two wins first? This game is massive. Uh, I've heard a lot of talk about this game, and I want to talk about a couple things. So last week, the Buffalo Bills barely beat the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, they did enough to win, don't get me wrong, and in the playoffs, all that really matters is winning, advancing to the next round. It doesn't have to be pretty. 
But here's my issue with Buffalo last week. They could not stop the run. Indianapolis, they're a good running team. Uh, You know, they controlled time of possession in that game big time despite losing. So here's where I'm at. The Baltimore Ravens are an even better running team than the Indianapolis Colts are. I mean, not only do they have almost as good running backs. I mean, the the Colts have Jonathan Taylor, who's really good, Naheem Hines. Then you look at the Ravens, they have, uh, I'm not sure if Mark Ingram's going to play, but J.K. Dobbins has been good this year. Gus Edwards has been good this year. And then you add in the threat of Lamar Jackson as well. So when you have a team like the Ravens who can control clock the way they do and run the ball like they do, uh, I'm interested to see how they fare against Buffalo's defense, which this whole year has not been great against the run. That being said, when you switch sides of the ball, the Buffalo Bills offense has been dynamic all year long. I believe Josh Allen has been uh, one of the best, if not the best quarterback against the Blitz this year. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe Baltimore brings more blitzes than anyone. So it's kind of strength against strength in that uh, sense. Uh, Another matchup to watch, I'm not sure if I already mentioned this, but Marlon Humphrey versus Stephon Diggs. This is going to be a matchup. I'm pretty sure those two are going to be matched up against each other for most of the game. I'm not too sure if the Baltimore Ravens usually travel uh, Marlon Humphrey because they do have Marcus Peters on the other side. But I feel like if Marcus Peters ends up on Stephon Diggs, that is a recipe for disaster for Baltimore. So I would be interested to see if they travel Marlon Humphrey, at least to be on the same side. Uh, maybe maybe if he's in the, the slot, they leave Humphrey outside. But then again, Marlon Humphrey has played in the slot before, so would be interesting. I It would be kind of cool to see them travel and match up with each other every single play. So there's a lot of factors in this game, but... I think that what it's going to come down to is Baltimore's ability to keep the ball out of Josh Allen's hands, keep their defense on the sideline, and keep them fresh so that they can keep blitzing, keep putting pressure on Josh Allen. Because I think I've said this before on the podcast, but the only times I've seen Josh Allen look somewhat uh, human, because he's had a really, really great year, the only times I've seen him have some kind of struggles is when teams that have really good corners and good pass rush press man and take away Stephon Diggs and have adequate pressure to the point where Allen can't set his feet, can't get out of the pocket and get uh, to find an open receiver. So I think Baltimore has the recipe to do both of those things, but it's so much easier said than done. Uh, You could have every receiver covered on a play. You think you have good pressure. Josh Allen finds one little slip in the defensive line and takes off for a 12-yard first down. You know, like he's a very dynamic quarterback. And on top of that, shutting down Stephon Diggs for a whole game, that's not going to happen. You might shut him down for a couple plays here and there, but he's going to get open. Uh, Marlon Humphrey will make some plays, don't get me wrong, but Stephon Diggs is going to make some plays as well. So it's going to be really, really tight. If I had to predict it, I'm going to go with Baltimore because I think that Lamar Jackson is just too hungry. I think that he's going to lead them on the ground as well as in the air. Uh, I think Mark Andrews is going to have a big day. And then I think the Baltimore defense is going to show up. But I would not be in the least bit surprised if uh, the Buffalo Bills come away victorious in this game either. But it's going to be tight. I'm really excited. This is my game of the week. So that's it for today's games. Then tomorrow we have two other games. Uh, To me, they're not as exciting, but they're still good games. Uh, The first game is going to be at 3.05. It's going to be the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the Cleveland Browns, who had a surprising win, uh, surprising to some, maybe not to others, but they had a surprising, to me at least, 
a domination win against the Pittsburgh Steelers last week. And of course, the Chiefs being the one seed, they were off last week with the bye week. So this game, uh, the Chiefs are 10-point favorites. Uh, we're not going to complicate it too much. I think the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win this game. Uh, they're just too dynamic, to be honest with you. They have guys like Travis Kelsey, who is making history as a tight end every year. He's got 1,000 yards this year. Uh, he's just probably the best security blanket there is in the league, aside from maybe Christian McCaffrey when he's healthy. Uh, Kamara as well is a great security blanket. But I think Travis Kelsey is up there with the best of them. Uh, then they have probably the fastest in terms of game speed. He might not have the fastest 40, but one of the fastest game speed receivers in the entire game in Tyreek Hill. He makes guys that are fast look slow. Uh, so, And then you mix all that with an MVP type quarterback, Super Bowl MVP type quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. I think that they're going to be too much uh, firepower for the Browns to handle. Keep in mind, the Browns gave up, uh, despite having a big win last week against the Steelers, they did give up 37 points. So, I mean, if you give up 37 points to the Steelers, what are you going to give up to Kansas City? Now, don't get me wrong, uh, the Cleveland Browns did put up 48 points in a playoff game, which was super impressive, but uh, I don't see them putting those kind of points up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, their defense isn't as high profile in terms of some big name players as the Steelers might be. Uh, you know, they don't have guys like TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick, but they do have uh, Chris Jones, who's a really, really great uh, interior defensive lineman. The Honey Badger on the back end had a good year this year. Uh, the corners have been playing better. Uh, so I think that the Kansas City Chiefs are going to run away with this one in all honesty. And we're going to see a Lamar Jackson versus Patrick Mahomes AFC Championship game. How exciting would that be? But to be honest, even if we saw Patrick Mahomes versus uh, Josh Allen, that would be exciting as well. Or you take Baker Mayfield if the Cleveland Browns upset uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and put him against either of those guys. I think you can't go wrong with these AFC playoffs. I'm super excited to see how it all unfolds, but I'm sticking with the Chiefs in this one. And now for the last game of Divisional Round Weekend, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers led by Tom Brady traveling to his old friend, and I do mean literally old, uh, Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints. This game is, I'm going to call it the battle for the old walking stick. Uh, this is a battle of two vintage QBs, two, but still two of the best in the game. Uh, I think that I, I talked about it a little while ago about appreciating matchups while you have them. And I was talking about the Kansas City Chiefs when they took on the New Orleans Saints. And that was a game where we got to watch Patrick Mahomes take on Drew Brees. Now, in 10 years, 15 years, if you ever were to say those two names in the same sentence, you know, about playing a game against each other, I think a lot of people, because, you know, 10 years from now, I think Patrick Mahomes will be, you know, a couple more Super Bowls under his belt. Uh, one of the greatest of all time in that kind of conversation. Drew Brees already cemented himself in that kind of conversation as well. So, you know, 10 years from now, when you think about that kind of matchup, you're going to say, wow, like that must have been a great game. So we're living that right now. So we need to really enjoy these matchups. And, you know, if you think Patrick Mahomes versus Drew Brees is huge, Tom Brady versus Drew Brees is even bigger because those guys go way back. They have history playing against each other. Uh, so I'm excited for this one. It's going to be in New Orleans in the Superdome. Uh, one thing that surprised me last week in the wildcard round for the Saints, I didn't expect Michael Thomas to be back that early. But he played, uh, still looked a bit off. He didn't look quite right. But I think another week of rehab and uh, getting back into the routine of playing, and he's going to look even better. Uh, for the Buccaneers, 
Uh, same kind of idea for Mike Evans. I didn't think he was going to play off that knee, but he did and still produced. Uh, so two kind of gimpyish receivers. Uh, this is going to be a tight game. It may also be the last time we get to see Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. Both these guys are in their 40s. Both of these guys have played for you know over 15 years. They've given a lot to the league. So I wouldn't be surprised if either one of them decide to hang up the cleats after this year. So don't be surprised if this is the last time you ever get to see Tom Brady versus Drew Brees. So I'm telling you guys, really soak it in, enjoy this game, and make sure you tune into it. In terms of my prediction, uh, I'm actually going to go with the underdog in this game. I'm going to go with Tom Brady. And how often is he an underdog? But at any rate, uh, I think that Tom Brady's legacy, Tom Brady's uh, his ability to win in big games, I think that that's going to shine for one of maybe one of the last times uh, and he's going to get a huge win on the road against a, a foe that he's been going up against for quite a while in Drew Brees something about this game to me I just feel like Drew Brees is going to have an off day Tampa Bay does have a good defense they have really really strong linebackers Devin White uh, and then they also have Levante David uh, their back end is improving with Antoine Winfield who had a pretty good rookie year and then up front, they got guys like JPP uh, rushing the passer. So I think that they're going to have a good day. Uh, if the New Orleans Saints O-line can keep Drew Brees clean, that'll go a long way. And then I think the Saints might actually take it. But if the linebackers in defensive front for Tampa Bay shows up and has a big day, uh, I'm going to go with Tampa Bay. And that is going to be my prediction for this game. But I think it will be really tight. Uh, somewhere along the lines of maybe 31-24, 31-28, something like that. And if that is to be the case, how awesome would it be to have in back-to-back -back weeks Brady versus Breeze and then follow it up the next week in the conference championship game with having Brady versus Rodgers if the Green Bay Packers are able to get a win over the LA Rams, which I think they will. So on one side, you could have Brady versus Rodgers or even Brady, ver or sorry, excuse me, uh, Rodgers versus Breeze. Either one of those is huge. And then on the AFC side, any one of the configurations of quarterback matchups is huge as well. Whether it's Mahomes or Baker against either Lamar Jackson or um, Josh Allen. I think all of those matchups are really, really big. The one I, I think would be the biggest and I think will actually happen is going to be Lamar versus uh Patrick Mahomes, and then again on the NFC side, Aaron Rodgers against Tom Brady. So that just about wraps it up for the divisional round uh, of the playoffs in the NFL. Now I want to talk really quickly about the NFL head coaching carousel. So there was quite a few openings in the head coaching carousel at the end of the year. Uh, obviously the Jets fired Adam Gase, uh, the Jaguars fired their head coach Doug Marone, uh, the Falcons fired Dan Quinn. Uh, the Lions also fi fired Dan Patricia, or Matt Patricia, excuse me. The Texans long time ago fired uh, Bill O'Brien. The Eagles fired Doug Pedersen recently. The Chargers let go of uh, Anthony Lynn. And that was all the vacancies. So there's been three big-time hires amongst those teams that had vacancies. The first one, and the one that I think will be the biggest and probably the most successful, which is going to sound crazy considering what team it is, but the New York Jets were able to get Robert Sala. And I'm going to explain why I think that this is going to be the most successful uh, head coaching hire that there is uh, this entire offseason. One of the things, I had this conversation with some of my friends the other day. One of the things I think gets overlooked in these head coaching searches is 
can a guy actually be a leader of men? Is he just a, you know, a brilliant offensive mind or a brilliant defensive mind? And he's kind of more quiet, reserved, doesn't really uh, motivate guys, doesn't get guys to really play for him, but really he just has a good scheme. Or is he, does he have that stuff as well? Or maybe not to as much of a degree, but he's a leader of men. He can get guys to buy in. That's one of the things I really love about the Miami Dolphins head coach, Brian Flores. You know, the guys really buy into the team. Uh, He's a great leader of men, and you've seen the results. So that's why I think that hiring Robert Sala, who if you've watched any San Francisco games, anytime they make a play on defense, the camera is going to go to Robert Sala, and he's going nuts on the sideline. He gets fired up. He brings a lot of energy, and I think that that's what this Jets team needs. They've had the complete opposite of that for the past few years in Adam Gase, who you look at him on the sideline, he looks like he's half dead. You switch that out with Robert Sala, who's going to be going crazy, getting the guys to play behind him, and getting the guys to play for him. I think that this is going to be a recipe for success, especially when you mix in the fact that they're probably going to take either Zach Wilson or Justin Fields second overall. So you're going to have a fresh new head coach who's got a lot of energy and a fresh new face of the franchise quarterback. I think that the Jets are set up for success. Next up, we're going to talk about another head coaching hire that I also like, uh, not quite as much, but still liked it a lot. The Jacksonville Jaguars went out and snagged themselves Urban Meyer, who is the former Ohio State football coach. Um, I love this hire for a few reasons. Urban Meyer is another guy who's a proven leader of men. Uh, He had a lot of success at Florida. He had a lot of success at Ohio State as a head coach. Uh, So I'm excited to see what he's able to do with Jacksonville. One thing to note uh, I've heard some you know, rumors and rumblings that, oh, there's a chance that because Urban Meyer is now the head coach at Jacksonville, instead of taking Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, that the Jacksonville Jaguars go ahead and draft Justin Fields with the number one overall pick. Uh, now this, I've had this conversation on multiple occasions. I'm going to kind of debunk it, or at least what I think would be uh, debunking it with a few different points. So the first point is, Although Urban Meyer was Ohio State's head coach and Justin Fields was uh, Ohio State's starting quarterback, they never were holding those two positions at the same time. So Urban Meyer's last season as the head coach of Ohio State was 2018-2019 before he retired. Uh, During that season, Justin Fields was a freshman at Georgia uh, behind Jake Fromm. He wasn't even starting at that point. And then it was after that season that Urban Meyer retired, Ryan Day took over for Ohio State, and then uh, Justin Fields transferred to Ohio State. Now, I will say that although Urban Meyer retired, he still held a position with Ohio State and with the team. Uh, He was like a consultant, I believe. So he probably does still have some kind of relationship with uh, Justin Fields, but I don't think that having that slight relationship that's not the same as head coach quarterback Uh, you know, consultant quarterback relationship probably isn't as strong as the head coach quarterback uh, relationship. So I think that that relationship alone is not going to be enough to offset the difference in talent between Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, I'm an Ohio State fan. I love Justin Fields. But when you look at the intangibles of Trevor Lawrence, you know, the guy's 6'6". He can run. He's got the long flowing hair. I think he's just the perfect face of the franchise the, the more can't-miss guy, and although I don't think this is necessarily fair, when you look at the last few quarterbacks out of Ohio State to come out, you know, JT Barrett, 
kind of floated around the practice squad of the New Orleans Saints, didn't really do much there. And then Dwayne Haskins, we all know how that went. So I think that that kind of works against Justin Fields, although it may not be fair. Uh, Ohio State quarterbacks have not been doing well recently. And Clemson quarterbacks, like a Deshaun Watson, uh, they've been doing a little bit better. And then the third hire that we're going to go over is the Atlanta Falcons hired Arthur Smith, who is the former Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator to be their new head coach. Now, I like this hire because when you look at Atlanta's team, um, offense does not seem to be the problem. They can put up points. Matt Ryan is still effective. They still have guys like Calvin Ridley, uh, Todd Gurley, although he did slow down near the end of the year. He had a hot start. Um, I'm not sure if they're going to bring him back, but we'll see. They have guys like Julio Jones as well. Hayden Hurst as a tight end has looked good in his change of scenery year. So they never had too many problems on offense. Where the Atlanta Falcons run into problems is on defense. They let up some crazy stupid amounts of points in some games. And just plays where that you look at it and you think that should not be happening. So to bring in a defensive minded head coach to kind of revamp that defense and give them a new identity. I think that's going to be huge. And who knows, maybe the Falcons could be in win-now mode if they have a great draft. Uh, They do pick fourth overall, so they could be in a worst-to-first type situation. We'll see. We'll keep an eye on that. That's going to hinge on Arthur Smith being a home run shot at uh, head coach, which I'm not sure he is, and them hitting a home run with the fourth overall pick. So the Jags, Falcons, and Jets have found their new head coaches. That still leaves the Chargers, uh, leaves the Eagles, the Texans, and the Lions searching for their head coaches. Now, I'm going to go over a couple of my favorite remaining uh, head coaching targets. And keep in mind that these two guys, uh, they haven't probably been hired yet because they're still coaching playoff teams. So the first one is Brian Dable, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills. He's been heavily linked to the uh, San Diego, excuse me, Los Angeles Chargers. And I think that that would be a match made in heaven. You look at what Dable did with Josh Allen And then you look at Justin Herbert, who has a somewhat similar skill set. He's got a big arm. You know, he's a big guy. He can run. Uh, His passing wasn't as accurate as maybe it needed to be at times in college. Same idea with Josh Allen. And look at what Dable was able to do with Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. You look over, it's very similar when you look at uh, the LA Chargers. They have a young, talented quarterback in Justin Herbert. And then they have a stud receiver in Keenan Allen. Then they also have a really good running back, Austin Eckler, another good weapon in Mike Williams. That team is is pretty stacked offensively. And if you combine that with, I mean, when you watch Buffalo Bills games, they just seem to always have open receivers. Their scheme, it seems to be bulletproof. If you put that and you drop it into the LA Chargers, I'm really excited to see what they can do. And I think that Justin Herbert might even have an even better year than he had this year if the rumors about Dable to the Chargers are correct. I think that Dable should be in consideration for uh, coordinator of the year. Uh, What he did with Josh Allen in the Bills this year was nothing short of fantastic, to be honest with you. The other head coaching target that I'm really big on is Eric Biennemi. Now, one big question about Eric Biennemi, though, is how much of his success as the Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator can be linked to him, and maybe how much of it can be linked to having one of the best quarterbacks in the game in Patrick Mahomes and one of the best coaches in the game in Andy Reid. It's kind of a chicken or the egg. You know, is is Patrick Mahomes a stud because of 
uh, Eric Bieniemy, or is Eric Bieniemy a hot head coaching target because of Patrick Mahomes? Maybe it's a little bit of both, but uh, nonetheless, it's hard to argue with the results. Uh, Kansas City's offense is far and away, you know, one of the best in the league. They have firepower all over the field, and you know they put up big numbers week in, week out. All right, so now we're going to hop into the first ever Triple S Podcast Q&A period. I'm super excited for this. Uh, we got three really good questions, and uh, we're going to get through them and talk about each one of them a little bit. So the first one uh, is an NFL question. It's who is going to be the two teams in the Super Bowl and why and who will win? Now, this is a tough question, but uh, if I had to say when I look at the AFC uh, a part of me thinks that the Buffalo Bills are going to make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, they just have that kind of feeling to them as a team. But my head is telling me to go with the Kansas City Chiefs. They have home field throughout the playoffs. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC. Uh, they just are too dynamic offensively. I think that it's going to take a lot to slow them down. And if the Chiefs are to meet the Bills... Uh, I don't think the Bills would be able to handle the run game alone of Kansas City. And then you mix that in with the play action. Once you get the run game going, uh, Patrick Mahomes in the play action is just deadly. So I think that in the AFC, I'm going to go with Kansas City Chiefs. In the NFC, I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. I know that's probably not too, too, um, too crazy. I'm going with both number one seeds. But I also believe that those two teams are number one seeds for a reason. Uh, the Green Bay Packers are a very, very strong team. Another offensive juggernaut. Aaron Rodgers will be and should be the MVP of the league. And then Devontae Adams had, what was it, I believe 18 touchdowns receiving, which is absolutely nuts. He had a great year. Uh, so I think that the two teams in the Super Bowl will be the Green Bay Packers against the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think the Green Bay Packers will come up victorious. And the main reason I think that is... The Green Bay Packers defense. I think that they are going to have a solid game. Jair Alexander, uh, the Smith brothers, Preston and Zadarius on the defensive line getting after the quarterback. I can see that game being maybe 34 to 33, a one-point tight game, really good Super Bowl, but I see the Packers coming out victorious. All right, this next question is a great question from one of my boys. Uh, This question is, Jalen Hurts... Tua, Herbert, or Burrow off injury, who would you pick to lead your franchise? This is a tough question, but uh, when you look at those candidates, as much as I love Tua Tungabailoa, you know, he is the Miami Dolphins quarterback. Uh, From what we've seen this year and what we've seen so far in the NFL, I can't keep him in this conversation, so we're going to go ahead and rule Tua out right off the jump. Next, the next three are all pretty tight. Um... When you look at Jalen Hurts, Justin Herbert, and Joe Burrow, those three guys are all mobile. They can all move. Uh, They all have pretty good arms, and they all have strong arms. But when you look at all three of them stacked up against each other, I think from what we've seen so far, uh, the edge has to go to Herbert. He's played the best out of all of them so far. Uh, He's showed really good mobility. He showed the ability to play in big games. Uh, There's a few games that he, he... pretty much willed his team to victory and then the defense or coaching let him down at the last second he should have had a a much better record as a rookie quarterback and if I had to pick between those guys I would probably pick between Herbert now uh, 
year two is huge for quarterbacks, as we all know. So who knows? Maybe for all we know, Herbert takes a step back, and then Jalen Hurts takes a step forward, and he ends up being the best. Maybe Tua, the dark horse, ends up being the best guy and has a great year two. Or, I mean, I'm expecting Burrow to come back and have a great year two as well. So it's really tough to say. But if you're asking me today to pick my quarterback to lead my franchise with the available information, I have to go with Justin Herbert. And last but not least, this question is the last question we're going to go over. Uh, I like this question a lot. It's just a a quick, short, fun one. Uh, And I was asked, who are your favorite sports teams across all the leagues? So uh, I'm going to go through them. Uh, Most of you guys should already know, if you watch the channel, I'm a huge Miami Dolphins fan in the NFL. Uh, Been a Miami Dolphins fan since I can remember. Uh, Before that, I was an Atlanta Falcons fan because I loved Michael Vick. But when he went to prison, uh, I was heartbroken, switched teams, and my dad was already a Miami Dolphins fan. So I thought, you know what, if I'm going to change teams, I'm just going to cheer for the team that my dad likes. And I've been a Miami Dolphins fan since about 2007 or 2008. In college football, uh, again, you guys should know if you listen to the channel, Ohio State Buckeyes, that is my squad. I've been a fan of them since the Braxton Miller days. I used to love Braxton Miller when he was a quarterback at Ohio State and even when he switched to receiver. So I've been a fan of them for some time as well. Uh, When you look at basketball, I would have to go with the Toronto Raptors, you know, being a Canadian. But I'm also a fan of the Ball family, so uh, I look at the New Orleans Pelicans as well and the Charlotte Hornets as, you know, the Ball brothers are on those two teams. When it comes to soccer, I'm going to go with Barcelona. I'm a big Leo Messi fan. And then internationally, you know, along the same lines, it's going to be Argentina, again, because of Leo Messi, uh, one of my favorite players of all time. I used to always try and wear the same cleats that he wore when I played soccer and try and play like Messi plays. Uh, obviously was not successful in doing so, as you could tell by me ending up pursuing football. Uh, so, But I'm going to go with Barcelona and Argentina for soccer. And although, you know, I'm not a big hockey fan, I will throw in the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I would consider myself a fair weather fan of the Montreal Canadiens. I don't watch too much regular season NHL. I just find there's too many games. And I'm already a fan of so many other sports that are going on. Uh, But if the Montreal Canadiens ever make the playoffs on a year-to-year basis, I'll usually tune into the playoff series and uh, I'll root for the Montreal Canadiens. And then, you know, if Ottawa's ever good, (laughs) again, I'm a Fairweather fan. I'll be straight up and admit it because I'm not a huge hockey fan. But if ever Ottawa is good or if ever Montreal is good, I will definitely back those two teams. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Triple S Podcast. I know we said it was going to be shorter, ended up going a bit longer than we thought. Uh, but I just want to thank everyone for tuning in, especially if you watch to the end. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe on your platform of choice. If you're listening right now on YouTube, go ahead and hit that like button and drop a comment below. I love reading comments whenever they're there. Uh, and I, I just want to say again, I really appreciate everyone for tuning in. And uh, we'll see you guys again soon. We're going to have a lot more content coming. And pretty soon we're going to have the Mock Draft 1.0 for the Triple S Podcast. I'm really excited to make that for the NFL. So stay tuned for that. Peace.